I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. When you visit Arizona... Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello and welcome back to the Artie Friends Podcast. This is Allison. And this is Kara. Today we have on a very special guest, Erica Stolman Dowdy. You guys might know her as Fashion Lush. She also has a cannabis brand, Fashion Kush, but we're going to catch up really briefly, do our peaks of the week, and then we're going to spend the majority of this episode talking with Erica because she is a genius and we want to hear what she has to say. The updates here. I was just in Florida and got to go to my friend's destination wedding down in Destin, Florida, Kaylee and Ian, which I think think you know Kaylee too, right? She was in your sorority, yeah, Richardson. small world. Yes. She was like one of my really good friends in high school. So I got to go to her wedding in Dustin. It was just so beautiful. I don't know if this is like a toxic trait or, you know, some people might say this is lazy of me. I just call it trusting in the universe. But I did not bring a dress down to Florida. I was like, I'll find one. It's fine. Like there's tons of shopping. It's a vacation town. So I shopped like on Wednesday. The wedding was on Friday. And of course I found something. So, you know, I could have ordered something and been a little more planned, but I just knew that the the universe would give me a dress right down there in Florida. So I found literally a $20 dress on clearance. It was pink. It was super cute. And it was fun. Wow. I love that. I'm so glad that their wedding was last week and not this week. Yeah. I feel so bad for everyone in Florida. If you're a Florida listener, know that we are sending our thoughts and prayers. That is so scary. Hope you're staying safe, but 
I know they like really got lucky with the timing because I think that all started happening like four or five days after their wedding. Oh my gosh. That <sighs> yeah. Is so, so, crazy. so yeah, it was a really beautiful wedding. And I guess I'll even just throw that in as my peak of the week, seeing lots of high school friends and friends um, from Nebraska and Omaha all at the beach. That was definitely a wedding that convinced me maybe to go toward the destination wedding route. I don't know. We'll see. Still up in the air. It's still up in the air. We don't know. We're just debating. There's just... Yeah, see, since she did destination, it was smaller. So like, that's the thing. If you do destination, typically it has to be a smaller group. It's like, do you want that? But I don't know. Those views and that setup was so fun. It was literally like a dance party on the sand. They did like a silent disco with the headphones. It was so fun. I And it wasn't even silent. Like they still had like a speaker playing, but I think you can't play like that loud music on the beach with, you know, other people in their vacation homes and stuff. But so, so fun. Maybe what you need to do over the next year is be like, a professional wedding guest and just keep <gasps> going to everyone's weddings and just getting ideas on ideas. And then maybe as you're going, you can just see what feels right. Oh my God, Allison, that is the idea. Like a genius, genius idea. What the heck? That's like four weddings, but like you could do it for like TikTok. Yeah, that's a great series. And you're oh like a gosh. really good wedding photographer, videographer. So you would be able to like, I don't know, capture In the exchange, angles, the story. Yeah. <laughs> In exchange for you inviting a stranger to your wedding, I could take some like TikToks and like good <laughs> angle iPhone photos and stuff and videos. Yeah. There you go. That. Okay. For me, uh, the last week has not not been too crazy. Pretty normal. One fun thing is uh, the Lincoln Lou. I saw you, you went to it during your New York trip, didn't you? Yes. And I literally, when I was there, I was like, I swear Allison did a pop-up with them at New Wave. Yeah. So I have three on my left wrist. And they reached out again to do a bracelet for a swap. And I was like, well, I've already got three on one wrist. So I was like, can I get an anklet? And they were like, oh, this chain's only in a bracelet. And I was like, okay, I'll do my right hand. Mm -hmm. So now I'm moving on to the other wrist. I, I would really like toe rings, if I'm being honest, but they don't do toe rings. <laughs> Which we should explain what Lincoln Lou is really quick. True. It's the permanent jewelry. Yes. They like weld it on. It's just so cool. It's like kind of yeah. like a little tattoo kind of vibe because it For stays us. on forever. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, that's literally not like a tattoo. Please stop. <laughs> but like for me, it felt like I was getting a tattoo because I'm like, I'm committing to this, which, okay, you definitely like cut it off or like rip it off, but it's permanent yeah, for me. Yeah. And I, the ones on my left wrist, that pop-up was like in the wintertime and I've had them on obviously every day since then. Sweat, shower. Mm -hmm. They're great. Makes me feel more put together with like literally not having to do anything. Mm -hmm. And the place that they had this pop-up at, it's right up the street, both from the recording studio I'm at and my apartment and New Wave, walking distance to all of them. It's called Saro Cider. It was mm -hmm. a cider place in Lincoln and they were doing well enough, I guess, that they decided to open an Omaha one and all of their drinks there are gluten-free because I think something with the owner, they loved the idea of a brewery, but they were gluten-free. And so they were like, how could we make this possible? And they even had some non-alcoholic ciders and the inside was so freaking cute. They were pet friendly. They had really cozy seating. I was like, I need to come here with my laptop in the evenings because think how often coffee shops close at like two or three and you're like, I mm -hmm. still need to get work done, but where am I supposed to go? Yeah. So I think I found like a good new spot. So that was exciting. And then my peak is that I got my film developed from the Pacific Northwest trip. Maybe I already said that on here. I don't know. That was like a week ago. But then I also got the film developed from the road trip. 
And no. I I have some room for improvement, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> Did it all turn out? I am not a legendary film photographer at this time, no. It's hard because mine, I have to focus on yeah. mine, like manually focus. And, you, you know, you're trying to adjust the lighting, but you can't see what, what the adjustments are doing. No, it's hard. So I would say like half turned out. I was still proud, but there were a few that I was like, oh, this could have been so much better. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Learning through doing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Let's read your guys's peaks. Brie said, turning my empty room, my clutter room, into a zen plant room with no technology allowed. Yay, wow. that's super cute. I love the no Definitely technology allowed aspect. That's smart. It keeps your spaces separated, I'm sure. Max said, reunited with my bestie after living in different countries during the pandemic. Oh, I'm so glad that you guys got to see each other again. Taylor said, I'm asking my best friends to be my wedding this weekend. Best of luck. I hope they're just as excited as you are. And Allie said, finally finished my fellowship after the hardest year ever. I'm a real speech pathologist. Dang. I know those people that are in their fellowships like that is a big deal. Congratulations. We're very proud of you. As always, send in your peeks at our Instagram, Already Friends Podcast. Okay, and today's guest is going to be Erica Stolman Doughty. She has been an OG creator since before influencing and being a content creator was even a thing. Her blog, Fashion Lush, was born purely out of passion and a fun hobby. She loves aesthetics, thrifting, cannabis, funky home decor. Her outfits are fire, and all of this has garnered her an audience of intrigued followers who always look forward to seeing what genius creative project she has next. We're so excited for you guys to hear about her iconic wedding, her brand Fashion Kush, and her unconditional bond with her mom, Linda, who is an absolute legend. Without further ado, here's Erica Stolman Doughty. Hi, my name is Erica Stolman Doughty. I'm still getting used to that, although I've been married for a year. I live in San Diego, California with my husband and my two dogs. I am the founder of Fashion Lush, which is a lifestyle blog and brand, as well as the founder, co-founder with my mother of Fashion Kush, which is a cannabis-centered lifestyle brand. Wow. Which first off, congratulations. I know you said it's been a year, but Thank you. I feel like I started following you around then because of all the wedding content. And guys, you just need to know it was <laughs> freaking iconic. If you need to go look, go to her Instagram right now and scroll back to the wedding photos. Can you tell us about that time of your life and like all oh, the inspiration God. behind everything that you did? Yeah. So originally my husband and I love Copenhagen. So our original plan was always to get married in Copenhagen. I wanted a small wedding. I didn't surprisingly like because of my career choice, I actually don't like a lot of the attention on me. And so I was very anxious about the idea of like this big 200 person wedding. So I was like, let's do it in Copenhagen. That really trims the fat. <laughs> like you really, not a lot of people are going to come to Copenhagen. So we had pretty much, I would say like 75% of our wedding planned in a different country. And then the world's events happened and we had to cancel everything, refund, redo, like, re, well, if you could refund your airfare, people had to refund their airfare. Like people had bought tickets. It was a little bit of a nightmare. And then obviously we kind of just stepped back from planning because it was not a time to have any events. And I was not in a rush. I mean, we had been engaged for two years. We've been together for seven. Like at this point, I was not like, we need to rush to get married. So we kind of sat back and we were like, what is our pivot plan going to be? And our wedding planner was like, we never really discussed a pivot plan because we didn't think all of this would happen. And really the only thing I could think of was like, 
getting married in San Diego at a venue, but then like, that's my hometown. You're going to have to invite this person, that person, the person from high school, they're going to be insulted. And I was like, I just don't want to end up with a 200 person wedding, with a 100 person wedding, with a 75 person wedding. Like I did not want that. And so I couldn't figure out a way around it. At this point, we were living in our first house um, and we had redone the backyard and it was so beautiful. And we were out there and I was like, why don't we just get married in our backyard and like have a really cool backyard wedding? And so that was the plan. Like it instantly, I don't know why I didn't think about that sooner because then you really, you can really trim down the list because you're getting married in your backyard, which was like no insult to all these people I know in San Diego at all. I just didn't want that day to be like filled with the anxiety of trying to like entertain all these people at my home. So, um, the plan was to do a backyard wedding, but I did not want like your average backyard wedding. I wanted it to be an experience for my guests because it was a backyard wedding that I needed it to be like extra exciting for people. Um, so we kind of split the wedding up into like three parts, the ceremony, the dinner, and then like the reception, which most weddings are split up that way, but each one kind of had a different vibe to it to incorporate like all the ideas we've had for this wedding over all these years. So the ceremony was very like 80s, early 90s inspired, like lots of baby breaths, Roman columns, uh, lucite chairs, and uh, like the flower, like dripping flowers. Like I wanted it to feel kind of like a 90s wedding. Our cake had like swans on it. So that was like that vibe. And then when we moved on to dinner, I wanted it to feel like what I had envisioned for Copenhagen, which was like very warm and family and laughter and like a very intimate dinner setting. And in Copenhagen, they're all about like food and presentation. So I really wanted it to be like the food to be like presented beautifully um, and delicious, of course. And then for the reception, we did it in our garage or the reception. We called it the disco lounge because it was like not like a huge raging reception. We uh we didn't even have a dj we just like did our own music so we did that in the garage the vibe was studio 54 we like literally transformed our garage we painted the floors with black and white checkered floors we had a joint bar um we had a bar in the garage set up and we also had like uh cannabis wine for people who prefer that direction which was really cool and it was just like the vibiest most perfect night people still talk about it like it was like one of the most fun weddings because it was very like it was us like it could not have been more us so it was pretty iconic that (laughs) is amazing everyone (laughs) yeah everyone had disposable cameras which like have disposable cameras at your wedding it's such a good idea the photos just turned out so good. And everything was shot on film too, which was like everything really added to it. I was just going to say, I thought I remembered the photos being on film. Can you go into how you decided on that? Were you nervous? Um, I was nervous. And I remember talking to the photographer and he's like, you just got to commit. Like, it's going to be fine. But I was very confident in the photographer and the videographer because both the video and the photo were shot on old school film. Like the video of our wedding was shot on, um, what's it called? Like eight millimeter film. I forget what that's, if that's the term for it, but it was really cool. And my concept was like, you know what? We'll have enough photos. Like we're going to have 
the disposable cameras. We're going to have the film photographer. People are going to take iPhone photos. We're going to have the videographer. Like, I think we'll be fine. And I didn't also, I think one of the big things for me with the photo and the videos, I did not use wedding photographers or videographers. Like that was a hard no for me. No shame to a wedding photographer and videographer, but I wanted it to be shot very editorial. So I just felt like that was not going to be the vibe. So I actually found like a team, their videographer and photographer. They were amazing. I was obsessed with their work. And I was like, this, no matter what I saw their work, I knew it was going to be cool. And I had to sell them. Like I really had to sell them on the idea because the last thing a artistic creative photographer wants to do is shoot a wedding and I was like trust me like it's not going to be like that it's going to be cool I want you to shoot it like studio 54 like in the 80s like I want you to like really have fun with it do whatever you want creatively like I didn't have any just like I trust you guys to make it like something rad for you to have as well well it definitely turned out that way so I just had to shout that out I feel like we do want to hear your backstory so let's reel it back to what you said in your intro. You have a lifestyle website, blog. Tell us how you got started with all that and then how that led to you and your mom's company and everything that followed. Yeah, so I started blogging, God, I want to say like 2009 now, which feels like it was yesterday and it's really long time ago. Um, I was in college and I was truly blogging out of necessity. There was no bloggers like on, I, well, that's not true. There was Fashion Toast Rumi Neely, which at the time, like that was the big blog. Her and Brian Boy were like the two blogs that I followed religiously. And uh, they just posted outfits like you would on Instagram and then like break down the links to what they were wearing. Um, I was also really obsessed with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen at this time. I still am. I love them. Um, so I had this old Dell laptop that I brought with me to college. And I don't know if anyone's ever had a PC, but they fill up on space so quickly. So I was saving like my school documents here. And then I was saving like, pictures of like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen or outfits I wanted to recreate or all these different things. And my computer was out of space. And I was like, well, I can't delete my school documents and I can't delete my photos. I need to find somewhere to put them. So I created a blog as like an iCloud, literally just for me. And then I kind of started talking about like, I was in a fashion program at school. I was getting my major in fashion merchandising. So I started kind of blogging about like the experience being in the fashion program, some of the different projects I was doing, which were always really cool. And it was literally something my mom and my sister and my dad read. And they were like, okay, we could keep up with Erica this way. So I did that for a while. It was a hobby. I really like creatively just loved it. Like, and I learned in that time, I was like trying to code, which was also like one of my weird little hobbies, but I wanted this blog I was building to be pretty to look at. So I was learning to code and it was literally just a creative outlet. There was no other bloggers to see this, like to turning this into a career of any sorts. Like even the big bloggers at this time weren't making money from blogging. They just were getting a lot of traction from it. So I graduated college, still just like tinkering around with this blog. And then I went to go work a nine to five job because that's just the way I was raised and brought up is like, you go to college, you get the job with the insurance, the benefits, that's what you do. So I worked in social media marketing for a couponing company. And like, it was really strange and I hated it. I, I like knew this is not for me. I have to find another way. Like I can't do this. So during my time at that job, I did learn a lot about social media and how 
it was starting to become a career. A lot of the creators that we worked with at that company were like Facebook creators, which is like, I mean, it's not really, I don't know if that's a thing now, but like they would blog on Facebook and share affiliate links on Facebook and they were mommy bloggers. And so they were really into like cooking and couponing and stockpiling and things I was not interested in, but I could see the back end of how they were making money off of this. So I was like, okay, I see a little bit of the strategy and then blogging started to pick up more and more and more. And so I, during my lunch breaks at that job, I started taking that time to take outfit photos, do tutorials on my coworkers hair. Like I remember one, I did like some sort of braid. I don't even remember what it was. And it like went viral on Pinterest. And like, then I started getting a ton of visits to my blog and I started doing all these DIY projects and I loved DIY projects. I just didn't know anyone else would care. So I'm blogging about these DIY projects. They really are getting a ton of traction. And then I got my whole entire department got called in to a meeting at that job. And they were like, we're laying off your entire department. We're sorry. And I was like, thank (laughs) God. Like, this is the sign that I needed. Um, And then like, I had a good excuse for my parents who really wanted me to go this professional route. People were like crying next to me. And I was like, this is great. Like I don't, I get to sleep in tomorrow. Like I'm stoked. Uh, Sure. I did have to worry about like, I was going to make an income, but it wasn't my first thought because I was so happy to like release this opportunity that presented itself. It felt like it was aligned. So I was leaving. I called my friend. I was like, yeah, like my whole department just got laid off. I don't really know like what I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to get like an interim job at like a clothing store and really try to focus on the blog. And like we talked about it and she was like, give it six months. And if you're making an income at all, you keep going. And if you're not, then you go back into the corporate world. So, uh, I did get a job in a clothing boutique to make money because I had to, like, you know, I had to make money, but I started doing projects like full time. I was going to Michael's. I was going here. I was going there. I was always getting stuff, doing all these projects. And then two weeks into it, I got an email from Forever 21 and from Charlotte Russe and they wanted to do like an ongoing collaboration. And the pay was like, great. I mean, it was pay. I, I didn't, it was great. I was just like, oh my God, this is happening. So that was really like the takeoff point for me. And then uh, I did work at that clothing store for a while, just until I was making enough to live off of. And it just went from there. Blogging grew, the industry grew, Instagram happened. And I was just kind of in that world. And I just evolved with it up until now. Yeah, I, f- <laughs> on TikTok. I feel like what set you apart is you were an early adopter on every platform over and over and over again. And I don't even think people realize like what an OG you are. You know, there's so many creators out there that are like newer creators. But for you to be like, no, I've been mm-hmm. around since Facebook mommy couponing. Like very few people can say that. Yeah. And you've seen so much happen and so much change. Yeah, it's been interesting to witness like the evolution of all of this firsthand from not having any social media to fully in it. Which platform has been your favorite? I love TikTok. (laughs) I do love TikTok. I can't help it. I love TikTok. I just think it's it's. It's interesting because it's, I feel like Instagram is having such a hard time evolving. Like I, I, I'm true to Instagram. I'm, I can't say I love Instagram right now. I like it. It's fine. 
we do it. Um, but I do think it's having a hard time evolving because it's got so many of these original creators who are glued to this curated aesthetic. And then these new creators, there are these new consumers coming in that do not want the curated aesthetic, but these people cannot get out of it. Myself included, like myself included. It's a very hard when you're so used to creating aesthetic in a brand and looking at your feed and your feed's supposed to look gorgeous. And this, and then they're telling you like, don't care, don't care, don't care. And that's how you're going to do it. Or it's all about photos and now it's all about videos and it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, I think TikTok is very authentic. And I think that the people growing on TikTok are growing because they're not curating their content, which I think is very interesting. And I like that the direction it's going, you know, it's really focused on people. I see it like at first TikTok started off like these little dances and these trends, but it's already evolving into like so many different areas. And I like how it's like focused on people's story of like their real life. And that's what's really gaining traction. So I just appreciate it. I also like the little trends. I like it all. I think it's a fun app. And I like Be Real. Oh, you do like Be Real. (laughs) I like Be Real. We've we've been (laughs) conflicted. We like it sometimes. We might be over it some point soon. I like it. I do notice that like I'm not as excited about it as in the beginning. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm wondering what what direction they're going to go with it. And that's what interests me because I don't think that it's just going to be this. I think it's going, it's going to have to monetize. They're going to have to figure out a way to like monetize or, you know, people aren't going to do this just to like show their five friends forever or however many friends they have on the app. Like right now I don't add people. I just add my friends. And I think what I like it is it's very nostalgic of like the old Instagram People are more like engaged, like they actually care what you're doing. But I do think it's interesting because it, I see it losing a little bit of traction when I'm not when I'm losing traction with something. I see that that's happening and it's probably happening on a larger scale. So I think something will come soon that will draw people back in. And also, of course, now TikTok right. does be real, basically. It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they just brought it in. I mean, TikTok, I just got that update like yesterday. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this twice. <laughs> like, I can only be real know? at one point. And then I can't be real all the time. Yeah, I can only be real <laughs> once. We still get like yeah. curated part of social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, also like, I mean, if anyone's saying that their B-reels aren't curated, mm-hmm. they're lying. Like you're lying. You know, you're not just like pointing it at your trash can when you're emptying the trash. <laughs> if you're emptying the trash and it says be real notification, you run to your cute little mirror and you do a be real. Like people don't know how to do a be real. Like they don't. And if they I'm are convinced. doing it real, it's probably like, oh, yesterday I was working at my desk. Okay, it went off. I'm still working at my desk. Yeah. Tomorrow it's going to be. So yeah. um, you got to switch it up. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Love all that. Um, you did mention you went to school. Did you say you studied fashion? I did. I got um, my major in fashion merchandising and a minor in textile development. And my dream for myself in college was I was going to, it's so like niche and random, but I thought I was going to work in action sports industry in like the women's department, which at the time I was in college, action sports companies were trying to start up like women's like reef. Billabong, O'Neill. I don't know why that I fixated on this, like all my four years. I thought it was like such a fun, creative, cool industry. And I did an internship and I just, that's what I was set on. So that's why I studied those two things, which really didn't okay, do much I was going to say, that was going to be my fault. Do you feel like it helped you at all? Because you would think like the fashion piece plays into what you're doing now. I mean, I wish I could say it did. Uh, I think the experience of college helped yeah. me. 
I don't think necessarily what I learned helped me. The fashion program I took, there was a lot of sewing, a lot of like the history of fashion, textiles. I learned about the history of textiles and how they're made and development. And if I went into what I thought I was going to do, this certainly would have helped me. You learn how to cut patterns. You learn how to measure patterns correctly. Um, for a while, I was like making my own clothes after college and like selling and selling them and doing that and trying to incorporate that, but realized that just was not what I was into. Uh, I was much more into the business side of it. If I could go back, I would get my degree in business, obviously. But I don't regret it because I think that college, without college, obviously I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I think just the experience of college is so like forming of who you are as an adult and what you want, figuring out what you want. Totally helping you, you know, be responsible, stay focused, work towards something. Yeah. So you went to school in San Diego too. Yes. Grew up in San Diego, went to school in San Diego and you're currently still in San Diego. Do you love it? I love San Diego. I didn't. I actually, I grew up in Nashville, oh, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm from the South. I grew up until I was about seven. So not grow up my whole life, but until I was about seven years old. Uh, from Nashville, moved to San Diego, went to school in Long Beach. So I did move a little bit, but I, I, you know, I feel like a lot of my friends who really were born and raised in San Diego, they all wanted to get out and see new things. And I was like, I, my whole, like my whole family, all we ever dreamed of was living by the beach. Why am I leaving? This is the dream. Like this is the dream. But I did go to school for Long Beach, which was very difficult time for me, but I did it. I didn't like, I was, you know, I didn't like being away from my mom. If anyone knows my mom on social media, I'm kind of obsessed with her. Um, and just the idea, you know, the change of going to live on your own was incredibly terrifying for me. But I'm, again, very glad I did it. Got out of San Diego for a while, realized Long Beach, Los Angeles, like not my energy, not my wavelength. Back to San Diego as soon yeah, as possible. Yeah, for those who aren't aware, where is Long Beach in relation to LA? Is it north or south? Because San Diego's south. And Long Beach is like, I would say 35 minutes okay. south, but okay. very close. Yeah. Just not See, I, I'm with you where I think like, you know, we're from the Midwest too. And you always think like, oh, moving somewhere else, great. So it's funny that you say people that were born in San Diego are like, oh, I want to get out when San Diego is such a desirable place. So it's just funny. The grass is yes. always greener. But do you feel like living in San Diego for the majority of your young adult life has really helped your creativity and your content creation and connecting with people? Absolutely. I think that, um, God, I always wonder like if, I, if we didn't <laughs> leave Nashville, what I would be doing. But yeah, I think so. I've met a lot of creative people. When I lost that job, I started working at a clothing store in San Diego and the girl there made all her own clothes and was just like an incredibly creative and talented person who taught me so much. We went to different, like to the garment district in LA or the thread show in San Diego, all these different creative things where I then met people. And I just like would not have had that experience, I don't think, anywhere else. Absolutely. Okay, so you went to school. You're doing what you love. Can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day -day and how you run your business? Fashion Lush is just ran out of my home, obviously, and Fashion Kush. My other businesses also ran out of our home. Our garage has been transformed into our headquarters. It's really dependent on the day. Every day is different. So like today I'm filming a podcast and yesterday I was just having to edit photos literally all day. Um, so it depends on the project at hand. I do think there is right now my focus is more on the direction of Fashion Kush because I think that 
and I say this for every single creator out there, like while like while you have this dear devoted audience, build something bigger, build something that's going to last longer. We do not know. I mean, we've already seen the, the people have become, I wouldn't say disinterested in social media and the influencer world is still going to be there, but they engage so differently than they used to. So brand deals and things like that, it's very hard for brands to measure these days because people just do not hit like or comment. Like it's just, I mean, watch yourself scrolling. Like how often are you stopping to actually engage with things anymore? Um, so I do put a lot of my focus into fashion kush as of right now, because that's really where I see going more of a long-term strategy. I have an employee. She comes over a few days a week. We work, we ship packages. She ships packages. Um, a lot. My husband also is working. I wouldn't say four. He's kind of our chief operating officer is his new title. So we'll have brainstorming sessions like every Monday of what we need to get done that week, kind of put it together. Um, last week it was a shoot. So the focus last week was preparing for this photo shoot, which was on Thursday. And then now the focus this week is getting all of that content ready for the shoot. A lot of my work is done in the home. I'm home a lot behind the computer. I do work out every day and I go to the Goodwill a lot, but I do, uh, we do a lot of strategizing at our kitchen table. My mom was just here. She also is part of the company. She's more the face of the company. So we didn't really get into the back, the background of fashion Kush. If you want me yeah, to do definitely. that, give a little background. Cause most of this is about like our business operations for fashion Kush. So fashion Kush, um, started me and my mom had this concept where we really wanted to take the stigma out of cannabis because we both consume cannabis. And I think that the juxtaposition of it being a mom and daughter was really interesting. I had already had my mom on my social media networks. Everyone loves Linda. Like she's just the star of the show. And we were just like, what could we do that like is a brand that really helps destigmatize? Like I want to create products that you can have on your armoire or your dresser that are for your consumption, but are aesthetically pleasing. So when people come over, you're not like, oh, I got to put this away and put it in the drawer and embarrassed by it. I mean, I also am sure talking to you guys from the Midwest, like, like I sometimes forget I live in California. So this is crazy to some people, but like here it's very common. You go into people's house and they're smoking a joint and it's just, it's just the nature of things. But I didn't like how the market was so geared towards men. Like everything was for men. And let me tell you, my husband does not care what his (laughs) water pipe looks like. Like he does not care. They don't care about that. But more and more women we're seeing are entering the industry are opening up about smoking cannabis. I had opened up to my audience about it. And that was a very scary thing for me when I was on Fashion Lush because um, social media was so much about creating this image of the perfect that girl, like, you know, and smoking me does not fit into that is what I thought. Like, you know, I would never show that. And then one day I was like, you know, I just feel like I'm leaving out a big part of who I am. And everyone's like, you don't drink? Like, why don't you drink? Like, And I'm like, I just, I prefer something else. But I was too scared to say it. So eventually I came out. It was a photo of me smoking a joint. And it was funny because the comments were like, that makes sense. <laughs> like, all, oh, okay. <laughs> that, yeah. Okay. Like it almost like put the pieces together for people. And I feel like that did set me apart as a creator at this time. Cause at this time, nobody was talking about it. Now people are, which is amazing. 
And that's a big reason we wanted to start fashion coaches because more women are like, yes, I smoke weed or, you know, post a story and they've got a joint in their hand. And I'm like, they don't have to be smoking that ugly joint. Like, let's get some cute papers for them to roll their joint with flowers on it. Something that they can be proud of, like posting a Instagram. Like, it's nothing to hide, in my opinion. Um, so that was our thought process for fashion kush. We were sitting at the table. What should we name it? My mom's like, kush, 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 fashion kush, fashion lush, fashion kush. Like it's an extension of the brand. I was like, genius. We didn't spend a lot of time waiting because I think that time kills all projects. So we just went for it. We started launching t-shirts, things to get the brand out there. Our first t-shirt was, of course, I know how to roll a joint, which is a Martha Stewart quote. And I just think that had to be our first item because it kind of like, summed up the juxtaposition of what we were doing, the relationship between me and my mom. Like it just all the brand was all about like juxtaposition because for so many years, the stigma is lazy stoner, lazy stoner, lazy stoner. We're like, no successful stoner, chic stoner, stylish stoner, stoner who gets shit done and looks good while doing it. And the stuff in her house looks great. Like that's what we wanted. So that's the backstory of fashion Kush. And it kind of brings us to today. We're still working on it. We're still building the brand. Um, I have to say there are a lot of challenges with the small business that I did not know about. And like I had mentioned, we launched fast. So it's really been launched fast, learning as we're going, learning as we're going, learning as we're going. But the goal here is to create, like I said in the beginning, these more hero products that really stand out. So we're building the brand still. We're getting to that point. And I see fashion kush like in urban outfitters in the future it's really what i see manifesting oh, that is it. for sure coming for you i love that you said that creators need to have a business because you're right brand deals are so unstable especially how you said like you can post a sponsored post on tiktok and it gets no views and no likes because tiktok wants you to pay to boost it and it's just like so inconsistent so love that you're getting ahead of that and like putting your audience to directly make you money it's directly at your brand and then second was my other thing I was going to say. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Allison, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> yes, I have, I have so many thoughts. Okay. One, I saw a TikTok about how if you don't know what business to start, make something aesthetic that is a practical object that people need. So you definitely did that. And then another business advice is just to make the thing that you always wanted. Mm-hmm. And clearly that's exactly what you're mm-hmm. doing. So I was going to ask you, what are some of your favorite products that you've made? And just as a business owner, what are some of the hardest hurdles that you've had to overcome or things that just like totally surprised you that you didn't know about being an entrepreneur or a business owner that you would have done differently? Yeah, I think, well, first my favorite products, I really love our joint pack. It's like a little very chic, clear case that comes with rolling papers, a lighter, and a joint ring holder that you hold your joint with. It's I wish I had one right next to you, but it's like a little ring that has a clip, little hands that are holding your joint. It's very chic. That's one of my personal favorites. I love our chill pill pipe. I love our angel numbers collection. Uh, the cannabis, I'll go on and on because I love them all. Cannabis is not a crime collection. I really loved that one went towards the last prisoner project. So that was something we've always wanted to incorporate into our business. I think that it's super important for us to be cognizant of our privilege in having a cannabis business because there are so many people in prison for cannabis related crimes still, which is like absolutely crazy. I mean, people are still serving time for like a dime bag of weed in the seventies. Like it's bizarre. Um, so that collection was very near and dear to my heart. We've got a lot of products coming out that I'm very excited about. I think that the hardest struggle, I mean, I'll be completely transparent right now. I feel like so defeated. And sometimes you just get like that in a small business. Like what the, like everyone's doing things faster than I am and they're producing more and they're producing it faster. And how are they getting those MOQs? Because I'm only getting like order quantities of 10,000, which is not feasible for a small business. Like you can't get an order quantity of 10,000 like little things. It's not the best business move. So I'm like, well, how are are they doing it? And so like, I remember like this one company was coming out with like new custom Bic lighters, like every week. Well, a custom Bic lighter, the, the minimum order quantity, because it's such a small product is ginormous. I don't want a hundred thousand Bic lighters in my house. I don't, that's not a hero product. That doesn't make sense. And so it's just the frustration of like, how are they doing it? And everyone's very gatekeepy in this edition, like in this world of small businesses. So you don't want to ask because then, you know, who knows how that goes down the road. Like if you want to do a lighter and they say, well, that looks like my lighter or, or just, they just want to stir up drama for PR or, you know, I see these things. So it's like, you don't want to ask other small business owners because that creates a whole slew of issues and everyone is gatekeeping everything. Um, So I think that is just, The biggest struggle is like which trying to figure out like which direction you go and how you do it. And when you don't have like backers and you're putting all your own money into it and your heart and soul into it. And like, you just, you know, these other companies, like they've got maybe more capital, more money, more support. And it's, it could be, what's the word? It could just be like kind of depressing because you're like, 
you've got all this money. Like it takes money to make money. You've got all this money to create your business. And like, you're going to succeed because it takes money to make money. But like when you're a smaller business and you're using your own pockets to do this, which I could go another direction. We've discussed that. Like you could find investors. It's not something we wanted to do from the beginning. I don't want other people's hands in the pockets yet. So I think it's just those struggles and a lot of like comparing to other small businesses who are like, they've got those backers or they've got heavier pockets, stronger pockets already lined to really go where they want to go with it. Um, But I think that, you know, as much as I do face the imposter syndrome, the comparison game, like, and I struggle with these things as a small business, we come out with a collection, the audience loves it. And I'm like, why am I freaking out so much? Like they like this. I need to keep going. I need to stop getting in my own head about this. And I need to keep going. It might be a smaller scale than other businesses that have more capital, but people love what we're doing. And I just need to focus on those people and growing those people and keep doing what I know is already working. So I think it's always going to be a struggle, especially when you've got a small team because you don't have like all the resources in the world, but I think it's so worth it to just do it. Like don't sit around and wait because if you sit around and wait, someone else is going to do it. And then you're going to be really, really mm-hmm. fucking pissed because it's happened to me, you know, like there, a grinder just came out that like hit the market. And I was like, I literally have a sketch of that and I didn't jump on it soon enough. So then it's like, now I'm like, I'm never going to let that happen again. And it kind of just kicks me into gear more. But you're so right. If you maybe had investors, you're like, oh, we could have ordered the 10,000 grinders. Oh yeah, easily. But it's like, you know, it's so hard, especially in like the cannabis industry. Someone was going to come on board with this in the very beginning and they did. And then they kind of picked up another company. And then this company is now like, a household name. Everyone knows this company and they were like, oh, you know, we don't have time to kind of help help with this company because this one just got so busy. And so those are like stabs in the heart. Like you just want to stop. You want to be like, does nobody believe that like I can do this too? But then you could turn around, you could be depressed. You could say, I'm not going to do this. You'd say like, fuck you. And then you're going to regret it one day that you didn't come on board with us. You know? And that person has since come back and it's like, I can. And I was like, no, I don't want People who are going to go, not the vibe. You're either here or you're not here, you know? So I just think that the advice, I mean, like, you know, and I need to take my own advice because today I was like, this is pissing me off because we had, we're just having issue after issue. You have issues with your manufacturers. You have issues with packing. You get your product and it comes in 11 boxes and you QC it and they didn't QC it good enough and it's not up to your standards. So then you have to send it back and you're like, and, and you have a timeline for your drops and you're like, these things make you want to just throw in the towel and like, you just have to keep going. I saw a TikTok the other day where this girl was like, I was literally on a plane. My last call before I got on this plane was we need to make steps to close down their business. And they, and it's actually a genius business. I wish I could remember the name. It was a, a stack of like a concealer, a foundation, a blush, a bronzer, a powder, a powder brush, a powder bronzer. It's like, chic little stack of everything all clean beauty in a stack and she's like you know i was on i got on a plane the last call i had was we need to make steps to shut down the business because it just wasn't working we just had loss after loss after loss after loss and they were so defeated and they were this small business she's on an eight-hour plane ride she had posted a tiktok or something like three hours before the plane ride i'm not sure what it was but it must have gone viral like she got off the plane her girls were calling her nonstop. Her phone, she had like 28 missed calls and voicemails. And they said, we don't know what to do. We've got 
4,000 orders right now and we can't possibly pack them all. And she's like, what? And so basically her message was, I was this close to throwing in the towel, like this close. And she didn't. And now it's like this amazing product that sells everywhere. So... Yeah, you, you never, never know when that now. is going to be. You never know. Well, thank you no. for sharing those struggles. No. And like you said, you have those moments that remind you why you do what you do. You clearly have a need that's being met in that community. And I do want to bring it back to you saying that you were authentic and like sharing that you smoke weed. Because when you said that, I was thinking, I'm like, I do remember like four years ago, five years ago, when I saw an influencer I follow post that they smoked weed. And I was like, wait, why are they posting this? Like, they're never going to get a job. If they like, if their employer sees this, I'm like, wait, this is their job. Like, who cares what, like, because I think in my head I'm like I can't post if I'm drinking or like doing any of that because like for your job but then it was nice to see it's like wait no that's like literally their job so what are your thoughts on being authentic when did you feel the shift of like showing more of your personality online and how has that like helped grow your brand in a in a good way I think for me like I jumped into this world of influencing and I really was trying to fit the mold of what an influencer looked like. And I feel like that in the beginning, a lot of people were trying to fit that mold. Some people call it like the travel blogger era with these highly filtered photos and everything is pretty and you're holding flowers and it's aesthetic. And I, and I did it and it always felt like I was playing a role. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm like connecting with people. And like, how cool is it that like, I mean, I, I like, I think that influencers at this time, it was all about aspirational content. Like people were following people they wanted to be. And that was fancy trips and these beautiful photos and the highly filtered and the beautiful homes and then and none of like the real life shit. And I was like, I don't relate to them and I don't feel good looking at their content. It doesn't make me feel like empowered to work harder so that I could do that. It makes me feel like... I wouldn't say jealous was the word, but it just didn't make me feel good. Like I didn't go away with any feeling of like this person is anything like me or I relate to them at all. And I was, and I was starting to grow a following at this point. And I was like, I just don't want people to look at me like that. Like I, it doesn't do anything for me and it really doesn't do anything for them. And then I think about, you know, if younger, well, I guess I should say if younger people are following me because I do smoke weed on my social media, but I, I would rather them find someone who's like real and authentic and honest and share struggles maybe smokes a joint every now and then, which I think would be less harmful than somebody who's living this perfect life, like this perfect fucking life. I think it causes so much harm. And I wanted to relate to people and like people would message me and they're like, oh my God, you're so nice. We're always responding. And I'm like, I'm literally just like you. Like, I, like it's not like some crazy thing. I, like, I didn't want people to feel that feeling. Like I just didn't want anyone to feel bad feelings coming and looking at my content. I wanted them to see somebody who's just like them, who worked really hard to get where they were and maybe doesn't always fit this role perfectly and doesn't come at it perfectly, but evolves and tries and just tries to be their best and can relate to like the life you live. I've never been drawn to the aspirational content, so I've never wanted to create aspirational content. It just was not for me. Um, I think I'm really big into looking at what I consume and how I consume to know how I should mm-hmm. create. I love that. And so I was just following people who, you know, lived 
normal lives. Like you want you, Instagram can either make this world feel a lot bigger and scarier or smaller and more comforting. I wanted to be on the side that makes it feel smaller and more comforting. I didn't want, we don't need to contribute to making this world feel like a bigger, <laughs> more terrifying place, you know? 25 year olds looking at these like you know or 21 year olds looking at these 26 year olds on private jets and it doesn't what is that giving anybody what is that providing anybody you know it's not valuable it's not spreading a message it's not making people feel more comfortable in their own skin and I just didn't want to be a creator like that so going to talk about cannabis I think my biggest concern was if there are younger kids that follow me but like I looked at my analytics I made sure that the audience was old enough to be consuming that content of course there's going to be some scragglers majority of my content or majority of my audience is older Um, and it just felt like something that was such a part of who I am. I don't drink alcohol, not because I have a problem, just because I don't really enjoy it. And I smoke weed every day. And I don't think it's something that I should be embarrassed about or other people should be embarrassed about. I think it's just the same as having a glass of wine every night, which most people in this right. country do. I was just going to say, I was just so, yeah, going to say, is that frustrating for you that yeah. people can just openly drink everywhere all the time? And then you're like, you feel like you're fighting this uphill battle with cannabis? Um, I think what's frustrating for me, it's not really like the freedom to like just drink and like it be like, okay, I think it's the facts. Well, not drink everywhere. I think it's more of the fact that like, it's just so widely accepted and nobody flinches and like you are some like, dirt bag, lazy stoner, doesn't get work done, uh, just sits and coughs and watches cartoons all day. Like the stigma is what drives me crazy because A, so many people that you think do not smoke cannabis do. Like I'm just, they do. Like my mom's actually told me since I was very young, like all your friends' parents who act all hoity-toity, I've I've smoked weed with all of them. Like so many people smoke cannabis uh, or consume cannabis in one way or another. I mean, if you walk into a dispensary here, I walked into the dispensary the other day. My friend and I just had to giggle about the mix of people in this dispensary. Like it's crazy. It looks like a school teacher here, uh, you know, younger person here, your grandpa's over there. Like it's crazy. So uh, I think it's just the fact that it can just be alcohol can be so widely accepted when alcohol causes so much more harm. Like it just does. Like it does. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Causes harm. People drink and drive. Lots more stupid things happen when you're drinking than when you're stoned. You're actually like very nice. And you chill can be very violent and mean, so, yeah. and like a gremlin when you drink. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've been there. Like everyone has. The alter ego comes out, and I just like my alter ego more when I'm a little that. bit high. <laughs> Okay, so talking about the type of content that you do like to create, I want to talk about your creative eye because you like different quirky things. Like, I love it. If you go to your page, you know, you... I remember you doing a Goodwill haul one time and you were just like freaking out about some of the stuff you got that was just like so out there and your love for different things is just like contagious. Like you being yourself shows other people that they can just be themselves and that really resonates in your content. So how did you develop such a, a fun style oh god I think that like I really have to credit my parents for this one because they were like a postmodern 80s dream like they love I mean if you I don't know if you can see like glass block in my house like all of these things like I got from them my dad was uh before he like 
out of college, he was an architect. He went and ended up working corporate, but he was an architect. That was his passion. My mom's always been like creative with our homes that we've lived in, the decor. My mom loves like large things or really tiny things. So like she will have like a large pencil just sitting in the corner of our house, like a huge pencil. Um, I've always grown up with that, like kind of, I mean, today she told me, my mom was so funny. She she told me that um, one time she was on a road trip and she saw a sign that said like cow crossing on the freeway. And like she pulled over (laughs) (laughs) and I remember she had that sign hanging as art in our home and like just funky, weird stuff. And I feel like, you know, as I've really come into my own style, I've definitely incorporated that. I used to Really, I feel like in my younger years, I was just trying to fit a mold so hard of like what other people were doing. And I didn't just embrace like who I was and what I loved. Um, and all those times I look back, like there's that TikTok going around right now, like design styles that I hate. And like, I think of like some of those ones that like they hate, like the very like farmhouse. Like I would do that because I was just like, that's what you see on Pinterest. That's what's cool. And then like, once I really started like embracing that, I like weird shit. I was just like, I'm going full force with this. Like I love going to the Goodwill. I find, I I mean, I don't know not to shoot my own horn, but I think I'm like really good at the Goodwill. Like I find the weirdest, coolest stuff. And I go home and I look it up and it's like some rare postmodern eighties collectible. I'm just like drawn to that aesthetic and that style. Did that that play into the house that you chose? Oh, definitely. Um, Not so much. Well, the house that we chose, like when I walked in, it was very hard for me because she had this place decorated and I've got a TikTok plan to show like how it was staged versus how it was now. I mean, this was like the like world market (laughs) had thrown up all over this house. It was a boho farmhouse. I said to my husband, I was like, no, like, I don't, what am I even going to do in here? Like, I, there was so much that I could not envision it. Like, I just couldn't envision it. And then, um, we really started, like, I like started taking down, like, she had these like string beaded chandelier lights. I was like, I just need like you to take one down. I need to like see it. And I was like, okay, like, I think with all these lights gone, the walls painted, the floor switched up a little bit, like, this is going to be sick. And like, now it's my dream home. Like I'm absolutely obsessed with it, but yeah, I mean, it was very, the house, the house under process, I have such a specific style. There's one house I liked that had this, like, Oh my God, I wish I could had a picture of it. It had this bathtub. It was like a corner bathtub. It was huge. It had Roman columns up the bathtub. It was the most beautiful bathroom I'd ever seen. And then it had a pool house. And this pool house was like pink from the 80s and like all this glass block. And I was like, and but the rest of the house was literally falling to the ground. <laughs> and I was like, this is the one. And my husband's like, no, 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 no. This house is literally crumbling to the ground. There's like, there's like mold on the walls. And I'm like, but the, ba- <laughs> but the bathtub, like you're never going to find a bathtub like that. I've got, I think I should move to the Midwest because that is where I see on TikTok all of these insane postmodern homes from the 80s that are like never been touched which I just really appreciate you're not going to find that in California unless you're looking to like do a full I know I, when you're describing this weren't. bathroom like I can think of like three friends houses growing up in Omaha Nebraska that like yeah. literally fits oh, for mold sure. completely <laughs> for sure I mean I see them on TikTok all the time and they're selling for like 
I mean, nothing compared to California, $250,000. I'm like, I should just move to Nebraska and you have a mansion. And we'll just have I your mean, company pop off. Then you can buy up a bunch of property. You can decorate them all out as Airbnbs and the people will flock. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Create yes. a little community, <laughs> a little postmodern community. That's, is your That's husband really goal. creative too? He is. He's very creative in a different way than I am. Like he does not, the house, he's like, go to town. Like, this is your thing. Like he does have his opinion on a few things here and there. Um, But his creative outlet, he does YouTube. He does graphic design. He's actually like become like really big on YouTube skateboarding uh, and skateboarding DIYs. So he goes out and he like builds skate spots. He's actually building a ramp in our backyard. So he like will document the process and people watch his, I mean, we were in Copenhagen and we're on our bikes and some guys like, Dowdy, I love your YouTube man. I was like, that's so cool. Or like one guy, we were at a skate contest and he's like, can I get a picture with you? Like they love his YouTube, which is really cool because that's a platform that I just can't get around. Like for me, it's not for me, but he was recently working for Manscaped, uh, doing digital design. So he's very creative. And now he works for fashion. Well, he's the COO of fashion Kush. So he's doing all of our marketing or that's like really his forte, which is a different I think it's a different side of the brain than me. Like, I don't, Mark, like the, he gets newsletters, text messages. I don't know. He does all the technical stuff and he's really, really good at it. And he's good at like building websites and coding and all of that. So it's a different type of creativity. Mm-hmm. It's more like right-brained creativity. I feel like Allison's very much you in that scenario. Maybe I'm more of your husband because we're both creative, but definitely Allison more yeah. visually, me more like, creative marketing or I don't know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm more of an abstract creative and he's more of like a structured creative, which is great. Well, I do want to bring it back to your mom. I would love to hear more about your guys' relationship, what it's like running Fashion Kush together. Have you guys always been close? Just tell us all about Linda. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> you just missed her. We just made, um, actually, she was begging me. She has been begging me for weeks to make a TikTok of us making the Hailey Bieber smoothie because she doesn't want to drive <laughs> to LA and pay $17 for a smoothie. And she's like, let's make a TikTok. Let's make a TikTok. So uh, she just came over. We made a TikTok. And then, you know, that TikTok trend, like one thing about me that I think you should know, you know, she wanted to do. Yeah, she wanted me to do one about her (laughs) and tell a story about her. So we'll see if those go live. I don't know. Like it was hilarious. Uh, She had the story in mind. She wanted to sit down. She wanted to really like write this out, get it ready. And then she wanted me to perform while she while she danced in the background. So we'll see if this one ever comes to the light of day. Uh, it was quite hilarious. She's so cute and funny. Um, we've always gotten along, like minus maybe like a couple years in high school where I was like a raging hormonal bitch. But other than that, we've been best friends. Uh, I think that she did a really good job raising my sister and I with like the perfect amount of like friendship, but always apparent structure, but fun and like creating a really safe, trusting environment for us. It's interesting. I'm very like obviously protective of my mom. And there are some like people who have like thought maybe that like 
we didn't have a structured childhood. I was actually watching like the bling ring documentary and uh, someone brought it up like about how she was, the mom was like, yeah, I mean, I even smoked weed with my girls back then. And I'm like, yeah, but like it wouldn't, I got defensive watching that. Cause it's like, you can't relate that to every mom who like consumed cannabis with their children. Although let me say not children. My mom was very strict. She did not, partake in any of that until we were 18 and I actually did not know that she I would have never guessed as a child that she smoked weed I just thought she was meditating like (laughs) all the time brilliant so yeah like I she very much was like when we were younger it was a very structured childhood very much like a parent-child relationship I would have never had I mean I didn't know obviously I was a child I didn't know what weed was like I don't know if if kids now know like (laughs) What's that smell? I didn't have any idea. I was, my mom would say like, I, mommy needs to go in the closet and meditate. And like, I remember like a month ago, I was like, or like a couple of months ago, I was telling a friend like, and my mom was there and I was like, yeah, like we were talking about meditating and how good meditating is for you. And I was like, I just can't, like, I cannot get my mind quiet enough to do that. And I was like, you know, my mom though, back when I was a kid used to be like this epic meditator. Like she would meditate in the closet for an hour straight. And my mom was like looking at me all weird. She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you would go into the closet and you would meditate in like complete silence for an hour straight. And she's like, who's not meditating? Like, that's what you thought I was doing? No, I was smoking weed <laughs> away from you guys. And I had no idea. So, but when we were 18, like that, that kind of, that relationship evolved. Um, but I do think she did a really good job of creating like a safe space for my sister and I, we never got in too much trouble. We could always go to her. She was like the mom that was like, you call me if you want to be picked up, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell me anything. I'll just be there. So we've always been close and I'm just so obsessed with her. It's probably like not even (laughs) super healthy. And that's dynamic is still there. Even when you're going through the stresses of having a business and all these different challenges and stuff she drives me nuts sometimes like I will you know she drives me nuts sometimes because my mom is like very like oh this idea and this idea like she's for sure got ADD undiagnosed um because like she can't keep her eyes straight on one thing um but we never fight we never like have any I, if there was fighting between me and my mom, I'd shut down the whole business. That wouldn't be worth it to me. I'd be like, nope, that's not worth it. And she really is like, like, I got to be real. She's the face of the business. She doesn't She doesn't <laughs> work behind a computer. She's the face. We use her for marketing. Uh, the duo, she does. I'm not going to say she doesn't come up with great ideas. Some of our best ideas have come straight from Linda. But she tells me the That's idea. So and she sounds like Chris Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's like a little Chris Jenner in training. She studies Chris Jenner. Um, but it's fun for her. And it's cool because, like, my mom, I always say, like, if she was in this generation when she was younger, like she would have been the ultimate influencer, creator, creative, all of these things. And she didn't, that was, life was different then. Like there was a different way of doing things. So now I feel like she's getting to kind of live out that dream through all of this, which is really cool. 
It's super inspiring to see you talk about your mom that way and see you guys work together because like you said, the bratty teenage years, I think most of us can relate to those times and some relationships don't really bounce back from that if that can, you know, extend from high school and college. So I think in you showing your mom and on socials all the time and your amazing dynamic that that's great for young girls to see, even if you guys are smoking a joint together, that that relationship is more powerful than plants. <laughs> like, as you said, like, yeah, it's worth showing all of the real behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I get messages all the time from people that's like, I don't give my mom enough credit or like this inspires me to reach out to my mom more. And it's like, yeah, you've got my mom. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are situations where moms cause drama and I'm sure my mom's caused drama. Everyone's got that. But like the, you know, if it can foster anyone's relationship to like reach out, that would make me very happy. And I'm glad that Linda inspires. I get the most messages I get about Linda are from younger moms or like people my age. And they're like, this is how I want to like have a relationship with my child. And like, what are Linda's tips? Or like, how did she foster that with you when you guys were children? And I was like, I mean, she was always, I, I, she just somehow managed the idea of being a supporter, a friend and a parent, like flawlessly. But parent, like she'll still say to this day, like mom is number one. Like I'm mom mm-hmm. first. I'm friend cool. second. You know, that's very important to her. So there's still a lot of structure there. She doesn't always like it when I call her best friend. She's like, I'm your mother. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm your mother. I'm your mother. She goes, I'm your mother and I have other friends. So <laughs> what are hilarious. you going to do? I have one question. Of all of the platforms that you've done, you've obviously gone through so many different editing styles, apps, content creation tools. For anyone who is a budding young creator, what is your favorite or go-to editing apps or like any photo tricks that you think that they should know? Ooh, okay. I, okay, I do like editing in the Lightroom app. I think it's, I'm just a Lightroom girly. Um, and it's got a lot of like control over your photos. And I always just think they come out the best when you edit in Lightroom. Um, the other app I'm loving right now, which I use pretty much as much as I use Lightroom is the Tezza app. I think it's a genius app. It's so good. Um, Tezza, she's a creative genius. It's aesthetic. It's got all the features. It's got feed planning, all of that. I do plan out my feed. I still do that. I think that's a kind of important, not the most important thing in the world. Um, for TikTok, it's a, mi- it's a mix. Like I film a lot in app, but there are of course times where you can't film in app or you need to film something that's like longer and chop it down. And then I use CapCut, which I think is like the premiere for TikToks. Um, what other apps do I use? Let me see. And you shoot everything on your phone? Yeah, I do. I shoot, uh, I also have an iPhone 8. That There's my good tip. I also have an iPhone 8, which a lot of influencers have an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 8 Plus, and they shoot photos with it because it's just better photos. Like, not all the time. Sometimes there's a need for these photos, but the whatever it does, I think everyone's got the same complaint. Like, the HDR, the way the colors adjust, it drives people nuts. Um, so I got an iPhone 8 off offer up, and I literally have that with me everywhere to just in case I need it. If you're shooting in bright light, I find that the iPhone 8 is much better. It doesn't do as much adjusting. Um, I also am really liking taking photos with a point and shoot camera right now. I think that's really cute. Um, what else? I've got Tezza. 
I've got outfit fee preview. Um, I don't really use Visco anymore. Visco used to be a big one. I think the retouch app is another good one. I'm like a stickler. And if there's like, a, if I take a photo outside, and there's like a bird shit on the ground. Like the retouch app, the retouch app always comes in to take out the bird shit. I just can't handle like looking at it. Like as, as like uncurated as we're trying to be, like I still can't <laughs> I handle like, the bird shit. So yeah, that's very fair. We're those are my main you. apps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The retouch app is great. Those for are that. great shouts. I do want to go into our final question, which we ask all of our guests on the podcast to you, Erica. What makes a good friend? Something that I'm realizing as I get older is just to be prioritizing the people that matter to you. As you get older, everyone is busy. We're all busy. I don't care if you are a like you know my friends are all at different stages of life works a nine to five is a creator has three kids like we all have different levels of busy and stress in our lives and I think just the prioritizing of what is important and where you spend your free time and who you spend it with and just like even if it's just a 10 minute phone call to check in on your friends or whatnot I just think really consider the concept of like friendships and saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm just really sorry. I hadn't reached out. I'm so busy right now, but like everyone's prioritizing what's important in their lives. And so I think what makes a good friend is just like prioritizing the people and not the things that are important. Cause I could prioritize, you know, like for example, like this weekend I could prioritize going to get a facial, which would be great for me. But I also could prioritize like seeing that friend I haven't seen in a while who I really, really love and spending time with them. And so it's kind of just like what's important. And it's okay if like you'd rather prioritize your facial. But I just think what makes being a good friend is prioritizing the people mm-hmm. that you love. That's amazing. Definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've been thinking a lot about lately, actually. So it's interesting you said that is like really like thinking as you get older, like the quality of your friendships start to mean a lot more. You don't want a lot of friends. You just want those friends that don't drain your social battery and are really there for you when you need them. So I'm really working on prioritizing those people over like, you know, I'm the type of person and I'm carrying on about this, but I'm the type of person that will get so caught up in my work that I stop making time for anything, whether it's getting my nails done or going on a walk or this or that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not like weekends. I'm done. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to be prioritizing work over spending time with people I love. And when you're an entrepreneur, that's just like a boundary you have to set. And if you don't, if you just end up working weekends, it could just keep happening and happening. Yeah. And you want to, you know, it's not a good place to look around and realize that you work so hard, you don't have any friends left. So take the weekends off, everybody, no matter what you do. Take the weekends off, even if it's just one day of the weekend. I think that's great advice. And I have a wrapping up thought yeah. too. Earlier when you were talking about you want to be the type of person that people see as a friend of a create as a creator. We had kind of the same mission with the podcast and we started obviously being called already friends, but we wanted people to see us in the podcast as just like regular people that they're already friends with, you know, not as you were saying, like trying to be on a pedestal or like that you're better than someone or that your life is so different than everyone else's. Cause at the end of the day, very, very few people's lives are actually like that. 
And I know you show so much real no. day to day, but I think it's cool because I'm sure there's going to be so many girls that come and check out your page that just, they're like, oh my gosh, Erica's iconic. Look at her in San Diego and with her brand. But you being like, no, I worked my <laughs> ass off for these things. And there were down times and I still get defeated. And yeah, you show the whole thing. So thank you for being honest. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm really big on like normalizing life because mm-hmm. we all are going through it. Like, I don't care if you are traveling the world, like you still have your trials and tribulations. And I think those things are just so important to share because we live in a world that is so digitally connected. And I always think to myself at like 17, 18, 19, if I was that age in this, I don't know how I would have dealt with all of it. I really don't. Um, so that's always just something that I think is important. And I hope all creators can just like show the real parts of their life because it's important and people will be thrilled about it. Like mm-hmm. it'll make you okay. more relatable. So amazing. Please plug it's where important. people can find you, where people can find fashion Kush, plug everything. You can find me on Instagram at fashion lush or on TikTok at fashion lush. And you can find fashion Kush at Fashion Kush, www.fashioncush.com. Um, we can give you guys a code if you want to put it in the show notes. Just let me know for your oh, audience. Oh, so should. I've got okay. a big order coming. Okay. I have to say, this is a perfect time for me to make this announcement on this podcast. But So I, I stopped drinking alcohol like a year and a half ago. And I told Clay last week, I'm someone who like, you, you know, I could work and work all the time and I need to mellow And this last month I've been taking CBD and I'm like, wait, I'm so happy. I'm so nice. Like I'm chill. Huh. What a revelation. So come next week. Yeah. (laughs) Start small, but try it. I mean, for me, like as someone with a lot of energy, like where, where I find that cannabis helps me the most is it's like, I can focus. Like I can, it's not like I'm like couch locked watching like Beavis and Butthead. I can actually focus on the work and get my things done quicker. So it could really be a great thing for you. I'm excited. What's your favorite method? Do you like to smoke? Smoke. I'm an old school, like a joint. I love a joint. I love like little, they make like mini joints now. They're like that big. I love buying those. Um, and I always go for a hybrid. So I would suggest trying a hybrid. Sativa makes me anxious. Indica <laughs> makes me sleepy. So right in the middle. Oh, see, that's a good tip. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I'll give you guys Linda's, uh, how Linda remembers it. So that you, now that you're entering your weed era. So I could never remember when I was younger, like Indica, which one's that? Which one's that? So Linda always was in Indica means into bed. (laughs) (laughs) And then you know that the other one is just sativa and that's the opposite. So that's how we remember it. Indica is into bed. Into bed. (laughs) Perfect. I've never been able to remember it either. So you'll never forget now. Last question then. How do you feel about edibles? Oh, it makes me crazy. Makes me absolutely crazy. Like I, I tried to call 911 once when I ate an edible. (laughs) Um, I guess if I take like a very small bite, I can kind of like see what people enjoy. I mean, my husband loves them. My mom loves an edible. Like they love an edible. I think me like someone who's more tolerant, like I'm very affected by things. So like, I just need a little bit of weed and I feel it like I don't need, you know, my husband can eat like two edibles and be fine. But for me, they make me crazy. <laughs> Any other pro tips? Oh goodness. What are my pro tips? 
Oh, yes, I've got a great pro tip. If you ever feel too high, which happens, and as you enter your weed era, you need this tip. If you ever feel too high, you take your CBD and you put a little like under your tongue or on your tongue and it cancels it out like almost instantly. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, really cool. Because you never know. Like sometimes I'll smoke weed and I'll be like, "Mm, I'm just a little too much. And I just, and you just put a little CBD and it cancels it out. That is brilliant. Okay. Yeah. It's a good hack. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'll keep you updated. Yes, on let me know. Let me know. I'm really <laughs> excited for you. <laughs> and whatever. I'm excited to buy products now. Yeah, we could set. I mean, do you guys want to do Artie Friends as the code? I'll do it right yeah. now. Okay, Artie Friends oh, let's is do your it. code. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll set that up literally right amazing. after this. And you'll see my order in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, Erica, thank you oh so God, much. An angel. And yeah that was another episode of already friends thank you guys guys next week that was great bye thanks for having you bye Hey guys, thanks so much again for listening to another episode. We seriously appreciate all the love and support. And to show our appreciation, Allison's going to announce a giveaway that we have going on and she's going to tell you how you can get entered. All right. What you can win is a big PR box full of all of these awesome products. There will be something in there for everyone in order to get entered. There are two things you can do. One is to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to send a screenshot of that to our Instagram. That way we know you left that review or you can put something up on your Instagram story, whether that's a screenshot of a podcast episode you're listening to, a quote that you resonated with, and tag us so that we can make sure to see it. And then we will put you into our chart of your name and we will draw at the end of the year. As always, if you guys want to stay connected with us, you can join our Facebook group, Already Friends Podcast, Friend Squad. You can also join our Patreon page, patreon.com slash friends. It's $5 a month for a bonus episode every single month with access to our entire backlog of bonus episodes. Guys, so many good topics there. So go check that out. And yeah, as always thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time bye Bye. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.